Blog Talk Radio. This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Morning, everybody. I am Glenda Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Karen Chatton from Gardnerville, Nevada. And you are listening to Endurance Day on Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for October 8th, Episode 761. This episode is brought to you by Action Rider Tap. Good morning, Horse World. When your start time's on Saturday and your finish time's on Sunday, and it doesn't get much better than best conditioned. And completing the challenge is the challenge. You're an endurance rider. Let me ride through the wide open country that I love. But don't fence me in. Let me be by myself in the evening breeze. Listen to the murmur of the cottonwood trees. Send me up forever. Well, good morning, everybody. And Welcome back to Horses in the Morning, and for our endurance listeners, welcome back to Endurance Day here on Horses in the Morning, and it's good to have you back, Karen. It's always fun to talk to you. Thank you. I had a great adventure last month. I spent nearly five weeks in Arizona at the Grand Canyon, and then we went to Red Mountain and Bryce in Utah for the remainder of the trip. Well, uh, we're going to talk a lot about that. I want to hear about your trip because it sounded like so much fun. And uh, last time we talked to you, you were truckless. Your truck had been towed away, uh, and you were in the top of a mountain somewhere in Utah, I think. So we'll find out what exactly happened there as well. I have to congratulate you first to the endurance episode here on Horses in the Morning. What's the most downloaded episode the last two months? So a lot of endurance endurance people listening, or a lot of people interested in endurance listening, probably a little bit of both. That's even better. That's great. The more people that so can congr- learn about it. Congratulations and, uh, on that. Thank you. Well, Jennifer, what is on today's show? What's coming up? On today's Action Rider Tech Tuesday edition, nine-year-old endurance prodigy Lacey Bainbridge stops by for a quick chat about how much fun kids can have in endurance riding before she gets on the school bus. And following some endurance <laughs> product talk and great endurance riding advice, endurance legend julie sir stops by to talk about how much fun an 80 year old can have in endurance riding do you see a theme here yeah i do from nine to 90 today (laughs) um julie is truly a legend she's coming up she has been on our equestrian legend show here on the horse radio network she's i think the only endurance rider that's been on so far and she's what 89 she's almost 90 Yes, and she's been participating in endurance for nearly 50 years. Wow. And then on the other end of the spectrum, we have a nine-year-old who's almost a legend already. So there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, she writes a horse named Legacy. Oh, really? There you go. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. 
she's she's setting her own course, isn't she? She's just uh, uh-huh. predestined. She uh-huh. <laughs> well, I'm excited to hear from her, Lacey. That'll be a lot of fun. You know, there's there's not too many of that young that have put on the miles she has, is there? Well, she's done really well this year with the horse. She's been going to several multi-days. And the last time I spoke with her, she said she had completed 900 miles this ride season, which puts her in wow. first place for national mileage for juniors. Wow. She's only nine. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. I, I, I'm willing to bet that most uh, adults that have horses haven't done 900 miles this year. <laughs> <laughs> or in five years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. You ride an hour a day. I don't think you, even if you ride an hour a day, I don't think you're getting 900 miles into the year. Well, Probably tell us now. Last time we talked, you you were stranded on a mountain somewhere, and you were as a matter of fact, you were on the show from the top of that mountain, and your truck had been towed away because it had broken down. Did you ever get your truck back? I got it back once, and then um, and then it did it again and it wouldn't start so i had to call us rider one more time and take the truck back and it turned out to be um, basically it was a human caused problem with o-rings that had been put in incorrectly and when that happens the engine just shuts down which is good because then i don't blow up my truck and so the truck got towed back again and they had it for another week and I was basically just left to camp in the forest, me and my two horses and my dog, and everything was great. I had a really good time. <laughs> well, you're lucky because <laughs> it used to be that when uh, there was a problem with the block like that, your truck just blew up. Now they have those switches that shut them down so they don't blow up. You're, you're a lucky girl. I know, and I, it worked out really good. I was planning on staying in that camp for that entire time anyway, and I was prepared. I had food and water, and because it was raining like every single day, I had my awning out, so I was able to collect plenty of fresh rainwater for the horses, so I didn't have to worry about running out of water or finding a way to go get water. And um, we just kind of had a fun time hanging out. We had some friends there that came from all over the place, Canada, Texas, Colorado, Idaho, California. There, there were, you know, was a really nice group of us. We had a good time. Well, that's terrific. And and so how many miles do you think you rode? I saw a lot of your pictures, which are absolutely beautiful. Of course, that part of the country is absolutely beautiful. But, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about uh, the rocks. So I started out doing the five-day Grand Canyon XP, which is on the north rim of the Grand Canyon in Arizona. And then I went from there over to Utah where I did four days at at the rides called the Virgin and Outlaw Ride. And then we had another break in between, and I went and did a point-to-point one-day ride where it was GPS markings only, where you only have your GPS to follow the track. And we rode from point-to-point over to the new camp for the Bryce Canyon XP, which was four four more days. So I did a total of 14 days, uh, alternating my two horses. So Chief and Bo both completed 750s or 350 miles each in that time period. And they came home looking really good. Huh. That's amazing. I mean, it is just amazing. Did you have any experiences you want to tell us about on, on any of the trips? You know, not really. I think everything, fortunately, after the Grand Canyon, everything kind of smoothed out a little bit. Eventually, it stopped raining. Um, the weather cleared up. 
and we just had a really awesome ride. I mean, that country down there is just spectacular and just as scenic as you could ever imagine. And, you know, fun trails, um, lots of uh, great scenery, and, you know, it varies so much. You're going from the Red Canyons with the hoodoos through forests, and it's just incredible scenery. Now, you call it a multi-day. Is it a competition? Yes, it is. These are AERC-sanctioned rides. Uh, anything that's over, uh, usually it's sanctioned as three days and 155 miles. Anything over that is called the Pioneer Ride. And these rides were all um, actually longer than that. They were, um, let's see, four days and 200 miles or else five days and 250 and we had the one standalone day because it was a GPS markings and point-to-point. And that makes it a little more of a challenge for riders because they need to get their rigs moved to the new camp where they're riding all day long. <laughs> so th- this is going to be a stupid outsider's question. You had both of your horses with you, and you alternated days. So on any given day, you would compete with one horse and the other horse would just kind of hang out back at camp and take a vacation day? Is that how it works? Pretty much. And they really get into the routine of it. It's sort of like, you know, at first when they're new at it, they get excited and upset that they're getting left. And then once they get used to doing the work, they're like, bye-bye, I'm going to stay here and eat all day. See you later. (laughs) You go do it. It's your turn. (laughs) They don't don't bother, you know, to get excited anymore. (laughs) Is is that a pretty common process where people will bring multiple horses so that you end up with um, a number of rigs with a horse or two at at the campsite while everybody else is eating? That's pretty common. Most people anymore have more than one horse and and that's because you know you're traveling a lot of times great distances so you're spending you know a good deal of money and travel time and fuel and and you don't want to get to a ride and have something come up along with one of your horses and then you're not able to ride so that's why a lot of us have two horses and some have more than two how do you do camp? How do you, you know you're leaving horses behind are you picketing them do you have a do you put up fencing how do you do camp well, mine are the ones that are left behind. Yeah, mine are on tie arms that swing out from the trailer. And then when I leave, I have a high line that goes between them. And I put the horse that stays behind on that so he can move back and forth. And then he has access to um, the water on both ends of the trailer and the food and stuff. And it, so um, basically he's picketed, basically, to your trailer. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And other people... They'll use different containment systems, portable corrals and electric fencing and stuff like that. I, I think tying them, you know, to the trailer the way I do it is probably one of the safer ways, less chance of an accident. Now, that's a good question. Are there people always at the camp? Is there somebody always there in case an accident happens while you're out riding? Usually there are. Sometimes there's not because on a lot of these rides we have the lunch or the vet checks out all day. And so if anyone is left in camp, it's usually um, somebody, a friend or a spouse or somebody that's with one of the riders that just happens to stay back in camp. But, you know, often there is at least somebody there in case something happens. 
Well, I, uh, speaking of uh, things that happen, uh, this government shutdown has affected uh, endurance and trail riders as well. I don't know. Have you heard about the Talladega nightmare? Um, yes, I read all about uh, that on Facebook and on Ride Camp, where the feds came in in the middle of the night and made all these endurance riders pack up and leave, and you know, well, got- some of them had ridden all day long. I got an email from Dick uh, Kearley, who, um, who's one of our listeners, and basically what happened to fill everybody in, this is in Talladega, Alabama, and I think it's Alabama, right? I'm pretty sure. Uh-huh. Yeah, and it's hot so. down there. I mean, it's hot there like it is here in Florida. Well, they had done a 50 and a 75-mile ride that day. Everybody got up at 4 a.m. They were camped in, in this forest. They all got up at 4 a.m., and they did the 50- and 75-mile ride. It was very hot and humid, so, and there were rugged trails, apparently. So it was, it was kind of uh, it was a tough day. They um, had about 100 big rigs packed around uh, a, a tree parking area, and apparently they all had a tough time getting into this particular parking area during the day. And mm-hmm. um, they, yeah, so it was tough. I mean, it was, uh, it was pretty packed in this particular area. They, it was 10 p.m. that night. Some of the 75-milers were still out on course. They hadn't even gotten back uh-huh. yet. It was 10 p.m. that night when the Federals showed up and said, everybody must get out now. Apparently, a number of them argued with the, uh, with the Rangers that, uh, you know, we can't do that. Uh, you know, there aren't even horses back here. We've been out all day. It's going to be impossible to get these big trailers out at night because some are going to have to back up. You know, there's trees. It's just going to be a nightmare. Well, they said if they didn't leave now because of the government shutdown, if they didn't leave now, and all they wanted to do was wait till the morning. It would have been six, like, what, eight hours. Uh, if they didn't leave now, they were going to find them all, and they were going to tow them. Right. So, that, and, and then apparently they all laughed and said, yeah, good luck with that, uh, the towing part. <laughs> <laughs> we can't get our trucks out. How are you going to? It took them five hours to work one trailer at a time to start getting them out of there. It took them five hours to get the 100 trailers out of that parking area in the forest because they were being such asses about it. Now, this government shutdown thing, obviously, we're not going to get into politics here with something we avoid, but that's just unbelievably ridiculous and stupid. I'm sorry. Well, it is, and, and it's not fair to the horses or the riders, especially the horses. I mean, imagine the responsibility that, that they were taking on by forcing these people to move when the horses had competed all day long and they needed to rest and recover and have a break. And now they're being loaded up in the middle of the night and have to be hauled for, you know, in some cases, hours to go anywhere. They, the uh, This particular rider uh, got out at 3.30 a.m., finally left the mm-hmm. parking area, they said some of the people were falling asleep at the wheel because they had uh, they had been up at four, so they were up for 24 hours by that point. Right, right. Uh huh. It was just a nightmare. What a nightmare! <laughs> just. I know. I know. I know. Well, now they have a story to tell, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely have a story to tell. No question about it. <laughs> You know, if I could have gotten one of them on here real quick for today's show, I would have because uh, I'm, I'm sure they would have told it with much more fervor than I did. Well, actually, <laughs> I've, I've invited Angie McGee to come on next month's show. 
And so oh, did you? you can talk to her about it then and also about her book. She has a, a, a book called The Lighter Side of Endurance Writing. So I'm looking forward to having her as a guest sometime in the future. My guess is this, uh, she probably doesn't consider this particular episode part of the lighter side of endurance riding. I'm not sure. <laughs> probably not, but you never know. That might make it into a future edition or a, or a sequel. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's do, uh, let's get into your endurance tip for this month. Okay. You have something okay. to help us out for those people that are looking maybe into get endurance riding or have started out? I do. I was thinking about this because one of the days when I did the Bryce XP, like a week or so ago, I got up in the morning and I hadn't realized that it was going to get as cold as it was. And it was 21 degrees outside and windy. So all my horse's water was frozen. Um, My horse's bit was frozen. My saddle pad with the inserts in it was hard as a rock. And I thought, oh, man, you know, So my tip is to plan ahead the night before a ride, especially this time of year when it might get colder than you're expecting or just because the daylight hours are so short, if you're getting up early to ride, all of these things that you can do to kind of help out your ride the next morning, like bring your bit inside um, to keep it warm or your saddle pad so that it's not, you know, hard like a rock um, can help make your horse more comfortable when you tack up. And uh, so that was my tip to plan ahead, bring in anything that you're going to be using on your horse that you don't want to have, you know, really cold in the morning. And um, and another useful tip to have this time of year is to get a headlamp. That way you're able to, you know, see what you're doing in the dark. And, um, And I also recommend going and doing, you know, once you tack up your horse, do a full once over and walk all the way around your horse and double check everything. Make sure you've got all your tacking, your gear attached because when you're getting ready in the dark, sometimes it's easy to forget something. Like if it's going to warm up that day, you're going to maybe need a sponge later. But, you know, if, if you're kind of, you know, in a rush to get ready and get everything put together, you might forget something. So just do, a, you know, a thorough um Recheck over of all your tack and all your gear, and um, and then have a good ride. So now, so Glenn's obsession with the weather report on his cell phone can be a good thing uh-huh. because if you check the weather before you leave to get to your competition, it might say one thing, but by the time the night before actual riding happens, it could have changed it's entirely, true. and you need you need to look at it at that quote last minute. And, it and, sure um, can. And another thing yeah. to bring inside, you know, if it is, if the temperatures are going to drop, is to bring in some water for your horse and keep it inside your living quarters, your camper, or, or wherever, so that it doesn't freeze solid. My horses are really good at breaking through the ice, but, you know, many horses don't want to drink once their water starts to freeze. <laughs> so. I have another suggestion. Let's not go riding when it's below 32 degrees. There's my other suggestion. <laughs> Not just 21 degrees, but the wind was blowing, and it was really cold. It was one of those days where, you know, you, you want to have those little hand warmers and toe warmers to to use to keep yourself warm. And that's warm. exactly why we live in Florida, Karen. Exactly <laughs> right there. I don't know, Glenn. If we if we had been ride, planning to ride yesterday afternoon, we would have had to have a snorkel along. Yes. <laughs> that's true. 
Uh-huh. Uh, we, yeah, we had about three inches of rain in two hours yesterday. It was coming down. I mean, some uh, some nice storms. Of course, uh, all across the country, they had some interesting storms yesterday. I got another question about camp. So, of course, I hate to always bring things back to food, but that's what I'm a guy. That's what I do. Okay. So now you're camping in, in very rural, out in the woods, uh, with nature. So mm-hmm. you guys also have to think about at night uh, packing all your food up, making sure nothing's left out, all of those kind of things uh, that you would you know, that you would normally have to worry about. Do you also have to worry about packing up? Do they get into the animal feeds and grains and things too? Well, you know, probably the biggest threat on many of these rides is about the herds of cattle. Often we're next to or near BLM or other areas that are leased out for the cattle ranchers. And like at Bryce, for example, there's really large herds of cattle. And if you're not careful, they will come in and not only will they pull bales of hay off of your truck or wherever. I mean, they'll go inside the back of your horse trailer to get the feed, but they will also drink all of your water. Oh, geez, I never thought about cattle. That's not something we see running wild here in the East. Right, and so that's one of the good reasons. Yeah, exactly. They're, yeah, they're not really wild. But they're they're part of the you know, you, you know, it's part part of it's all included in your entry fee. So. <laughs> I was thinking more about bears and coyotes and raccoons. I wasn't really thinking about cattle, but. Well, you know, one of the one of my friends actually had a problem. His truck was parked at Bryce for the whole week, and he never started it up or ran it. Well, squirrels had gotten in under the hood of the truck and built a really big nest. And who knows what else they might have done in there. And so, you know, if you're going to be camped for a week or so, I didn't have that problem because my truck wasn't there. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was gone for a week. But, at the um, shop, but we didn't have to worry about squirrels' nests. <laughs> yeah, that's something to think about in the forest because these rodents, whether it's squirrels or or mice or whatever, they they can get up in there and they can chew through wiring and make nests and do all sorts of damage. So that's that's another thing to think about if you're going to be camped for any extended period of time out in the you know, out in the woods like that to start your truck up once in a while or at least look under the hood, make sure there's not something in there trying to make a nest. Talk about preparedness. I mean, you guys are really out in the in the wild. Um, are, do you have, you know, things prepared, If uh, you know, what you would do in case of a snake, you know, poisonous snake bite and stuff like that? Do you, you know, is, is that go through your mind, and do you talk about what you would do? I mean, you're you're way out there. What would you do? You know, it just depends on the situation. Usually the snakes, you, you know, from the horses being tied on the trailer and everything, the snakes usually tend to stay away. Um, and, and then many of us do have, like, a dog. And the dogs are really good sometimes at chasing off the wildlife, keeping it from, you know, encroaching upon us too, you know, uh, you know, personally, but, um, you know, between having the right veterinarians and many of the riders that may be doctors or nurses or EMTs, we're usually pretty on the ball with injuries when people get hurt. Interesting. And, and, you know, Jamie always has these stories of riding in the desert and she's always coming upon different, uh, you know, different critters and things. Do you or do you have any uh, interesting critter stories? Oh, my gosh. Well, I, think I have encountered 
snakes quite a bit. You know, down at um, one of these rides, we did encounter a rather large deer that went bounding across the trail. And my horse just simply, he kind of stopped. We were trotting, and he just literally decelerated in a second. And not only had we just stopped, but he had now hopped backwards. (laughs) (laughs) And Karen was hugging his neck. (laughs) <laughs> and I was kind of just, yeah, hanging on to the net going, whoa. And, but then we both, you know, watched the deer bound off into the woods. And many times, well, it, uh, the outlaw and virgin especially, there's herds of antelope. And they're kind of cool because so often, you know, it's so funny, we pass, we'll pass all these hunters that are out there hunting. And then they're going one way, and then five minutes later, we pass a whole bunch of antelope, and they're going the other way. Um the hunters are usually nowhere near where the antelope are, though. But um, they'll, they'll, run, yeah, they'll run alongside us on the horses. It's great. That's funny. Do the hunters ever stop you and go, did you see any antelope lately? I know. Well, usually it's only within a minute of seeing a hunter go by. We'll have you know several antelope cross over on the trail in front of us. <laughs> It's safe. It Go near the fun. horses. They're, you'll be safe if you're near the horses. You'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> they have know, they have funny. emails that go out. Yeah, they text each other. Right, and that's a good reason for endurance riders to dress in um, bright, vivid colors so that uh, they're visible to the hunters. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about that. I have a new option for you guys that you haven't heard of yet that's brand new to the market here in the United States. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that a little later, but you have a, so that's a product I want to talk about for you guys and introduce to the endurance world, but you have a product you want to talk about too that Action Rider Tech carries that, uh, that you're a fan of. Tell us about that. I, I do. It's called Equiflex Sleeves, and I've been using these since March. So I've used them on over 30 endurance rides so far on my two horses. And what an Equiflex sleeve is, it's basically a compression sock for horses. And they're, you know, they're kind of, they're, you know, at first I was skeptical. Well, how is that going to work as good as traditional wrapping? Because many of us that ride horses for long distances or, or whatever, give them a hard workout, we often want to wrap their legs. to, You know, especially when they're tied on a trailer, it, the wrapping helps keep their legs from stocking up. Well, these Equiflex sleeves actually take the place of wrapping, so they make things easier for us. And endurance riders are always looking for stuff that's easier and that works. And so I've been using these for, like I said, since March on quite a few rides, and they work really, really well. They do eliminate the need for wrapping, although there still may be times where somebody may prefer to wrap because then they can use a poultice or um, something like that on the horse's legs. But with these, you just put a, a plastic baggie over your horse's foot. So your horse needs to, you know, be, you know, comfortable having plastic around plastic and having plastic put on them. And pull you pull those sleeves up over the hoof, up onto the leg, and then they apply the proper amount of compression. They um, allow heat to dissipate. So, um, and the I assume the plastic bag. Problem. Hold on, I assume the plastic baggie comes off the foot. That's just to help you get it on. Is that the? Deal? That's just to help you get it on and to keep it clean. Okay. You know, especially like you know when I was camping for this last month, we got a lot of rain, so I was putting these on and off in, in the mud. So the plastic bags helped a lot to keep them clean. And another benefit is. 
that you can feel your horse's legs through them. Whereas if you've got a full wrap on, you can't really tell what's going on underneath there. But with, with these flex sleeves, you can. You can feel the horse's leg and feel if there's any stocking up or swelling or anything that's abnormal. And um, you can also use an ice suit over it. So that's, you know, kind of another advantage of, of using them. Um, the main advantage is that they're just so quick and easy to slip on and slip off and then to clean. You know, wraps, you know, take a lot of work to wrap and unwrap and to keep them clean and, and that sort of thing. But these are very simple and easy to use. And in most cases, um, they're more than adequate to use in place of wraps. And they now, we saw we saw we saw a lot of these actually that have just started coming out when we were at the American Question Trade Association show uh-huh. a couple of months ago, um, and there were some that had zippers and things like that. So there, and one of our questions was, how hard are they to get on? And you're saying if you use the the baggy method, it's pretty easy. It is. You just pull them on up, just like a sock. And same for you go when you pull them off. I just push them down around the pattern, and then you know pull them off, just like you're taking a sock off of your own foot. And um, they they nope. do work well. The, the only thing I should suggest for endurance riders, most of us have, you know, typical Arab size horses, fifteen hands or less or, you know, maybe 15, 1, or 2, like my horses are. And I'm using size extra small on all four of their legs. And how tight are they? How tight are they? Do they tend to want to, one of my questions when I was looking at them, you know, on the mannequins, is are uh-huh. they going to tend to want to fall down? Do they tend to want to fall, like your socks would if you're, that you're wearing, you know? Right. They usually will stay up. Some horses, if they rub their heads on their legs, they may push them down a little bit, or with some movement, they may um, drop a little bit. So you just have to keep an eye on them, and if that's the case, pull them back up. You know, the one thing I did find is when it was raining really hard and they got wet, they do tend to sag a little bit, just like a regular sock would if it got wet on your leg. But other than that, um, they're really simple. They're great for multi-days because, you know, who wants, you know, you're riding 50 miles every day and getting up in the morning, and who wants to be having to unwrap legs? These, you just whip them right off, and you can get, you know, four of them off in less than the time it takes to unwrap one if you use the traditional leg wrap. And the other nice thing, too, you know, I know they're not meant for this, but it, it, they're meant for, you know, for the compression and, and for the th- therapeutic uh, aspects of, of what they are. But it does provide a little bit of surface protection, uh, I would think, if you're if you're bumping your leg. Well, sure, and that's why usually what I've done when I use them, I pu- I'll put them on after I finish riding, and then I don't take them off till I get home. So they stay on the horse for the trailer ride back. Oh, Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the concerns I would have too, and maybe it's just me, is because I've heard some you know nightmares about people who have wrapped too tight and things like that. Is mm-hmm. I guess you don't want them too tight. You really do need to get the right size. You do, and you should measure. And and that you know, and I started out with a pair of extra smalls and a pair of smalls, and the smalls were just a little bit too big um, for my horses because our typically with endurance horses they don't have really long cannon bones. Mainly, it's the length that was the problem, and so that's that's why you know we need to measure and make sure we do get the proper size for them. And if I remember right, they weren't that expensive either; they're very reasonably priced. You can find them, 
You can find them at Action Rider Tech, and this episode is brought mm-hmm. to you by ActionRiderTech.com, where you'll find the largest selection of treeless saddles north of the equator and a fabulous selection of quality trail and endurance gear like the sleeves. And Jennifer, if you could post those on Facebook so people can find them if they want in a link to Action Rider. They understand horses because they ride, too, at Action Rider Tech. They believe that the time spent with your horse is never time wasted. And they also provide some terrific customer service. They have uh, some people there that will answer all of your questions. If you're new to endurance and you're not quite sure what to get or what you need, then you know go to the experts at Action Rider Tech for all of your answers. We want you to experience ActionRiderTech.com. So enter the code ACTION13, ACTION13, for free shipping on your next order. That's Action 1-3 for free shipping on your next order. ActionRiderTac.com. They're always there for you and your horse. Well, Karen, the other place that people can go if they're new to endurance riding, and this is how I, I became familiar with it, was your blog. So why don't you give us a plug? Oh, okay. My blog is called EnduranceRideStuff.com, or you can go to KarenChatton.com. And I'm trying to catch up. I've spent about months down in Arizona and Utah, and most of the time I didn't have any Internet. So I'm a little behind. I have blogged a little bit about the Grand Canyon ride, and I have some photos up from there, and I'm working on the next ride and then the one after that. So hopefully in the next day or so I'll get some more updates done to it. But in addition to that, anybody that wants to learn about endurance, there's a, there is a search function, and you can go there and just type in you know all sorts of stuff. I've done a lot of you know, endurance basic training um, blog posts in the past, you know, things, I focus a lot on safety, on preparing your horse so that they're ready for whatever they may encounter when they do go to a ride by training ahead of time at home. So I've done a lot of posts, educational posts and training posts, plus a lot of ride reports. If you want to learn about a particular endurance ride, I, um, you know, I've got lots of photos up, so you can go see what the trail's like or camp and read about it. And and, um, and so I try to, you know, regularly blog when I can, but sometimes I have periods where I'm not able to. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, and I know there's lots of terrific information on there, so it's a good it's a good resource if you're looking at getting into endurance or or I know that uh, most of the endurance writers out there also follow your blog, so it's very popular. Well, why don't you introduce your first guest? She's ready to go. And this right. is the part where we go from 9 to 90. This is the 9 part. Okay. We're starting with the 9 part, and she's on first because she has to get ready for school after this. Um, Lacey Bainbridge is 9 years old. She lives in Southern California, and she has already ridden 900 endurance miles this year. And we mentioned previously this puts her into first place for the national mileage for juniors. And so we're kind of excited to be able to talk to her and get her perspective on on writing as a nine-year-old. So welcome to the show, Lacey. Is she there? Yeah. Hi, Lacey. Good morning. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. Well, let's start with telling, have you tell us about your horse, Legacy. How did you get him? And just give us a little overview about him. Well, um, I got him on Easter Day. My mom gave him to me. It was a surprise. 
He's 16 years old, and he has 900 miles this year. I keep him at Harmony Ranch, which is Heidi Helly's ranch. One of my favorite things about him is he always talks to me whether we're out on trail or we're hanging out at the ranch. Oh, that's cool. And so how, is he an Arabian? Yeah, he's a full-bred Arabian. Oh, good. And um, tell us how you first learned about endurance riding and what made you want to do it. Well, I first learned about endurance riding when I was about four years old. My trainer, Heidi Helly, started telling me about all the endurance rides she did. Then when mm-hmm. I was about five years old, I went on my first child ride. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I heard some lady that she said that you did your first ride when you were on a horse when you were only two and a half years old. Yeah. So how old were you when you did your first endurance ride? I did my first endurance ride when I was about six and a half, seven years old. Wow. And what made you want to do it? Um, I just, when I first Learned, I first had Heidi tell me about it, and uh-huh. then it was just like I wanted to do that. And then one okay. day I just said, Heidi, I want to go on a trail. And then it just kind of happened. And then it w- we had to do this really long trail ride. And then we ended mm-hmm. up doing 20 miles, and I said, Heidi, can I do an LD? And then we ended up doing an LD, and so then that's what started. Okay. That's cool. So what lessons have you learned from writing endurance? My lessons that I've learned from endurance writing is how to be responsible and have a lot of patience. However, the most important thing I've learned is to finish is to win. Even if you are the last horse and rider coming in, you are still a winner. You sure are. So were you nervous when you did your first endurance ride? Very nervous. Okay, and tell us how you do your training and conditioning. What do you do? Well, when I first got Legacy, we were doing not a lot. We were doing about eight miles. But uh, some weeks we did more to leg him up, but I spent a lot of time bonding with him. Whenever I got to see him or train with him, I always got go up right after school, and I stay there for several hours each time and work and work, and I never fall behind on my schoolwork. Some days are longer than others, but I always make it work. Good. Well, what advice do you have for other kids that might be in your age bracket that want to give endurance writing a try? Well, my advice for other kids thinking or wanting to try endurance is go for it. You need to follow your dreams, and just remember to finish is to win. Okay, and what do you think is the hardest part for you? Well, my hardest part, I think, for me, is normally waking up so early. I'm uh-huh. not really so up early. And then so you're not a morning <laughs> person. <laughs> and she After. can't drink coffee yet. So... <laughs> getting used to waking up early and then I was fine but once you're up early and you're out there and you're cold it gets really cold but then you just have to remember that you're going to get warmed up with your horse Mhm. and what do you think is your favorite ride like what's the coolest place you've ever ridden 
I think the coolest place that I've ever ridden is the Outlawed Version ride in Bryce Canyon. It's uh-huh. my favorite ride because of the scenery and how nice it is laid out. Yes, what did you think of that Thunder Mountain Trail? It was really pretty. Uh, we were like totally our jaw dropped and everything the first time we saw it. It was like, whoa, how red is this? This is awesome. It Especially was. going up that little skinny spine trail. That was really cool. It, it was. I know. Well, I want to thank you again at the Outlaw and Virgin Ride. We um, got one day we went up remember that really super steep hill in the mud, and there were tree branches, so people were getting off so they wouldn't get knocked off their horses. And we got to the top, and um, I needed to remount, and there was nothing to stand on. So I asked if somebody could hold my stirrup for me, and it was Lacey who came to my rescue. So thank you again for doing that, Lacey. That was awfully nice of you. Thank you. And also, I got a message on Facebook last night from another rider who said to say thank you. Apparently on the ride Saturday, you stopped and picked up his vet card that he had dropped. Yeah. Do you remember doing that? So well, isn't it... I it's, I wanted to make sure he had it because if he didn't have it, it could be a problem. It could. See, you're so thoughtful and considerate of other riders. That's that's one of the the nice things I like to see with with you kids that you learn. Um, so let's talk a little bit about your sponsor and and how that works. And if you have any desire once you turn 14 to ride as an adult without a sponsor. Yeah, um, I really enjoy riding with Heidi Helly. She has uh-huh. taught me everything I know about endurance riding, and she gives me the ability to do endurance riding and taking on a junior. And once I get old enough, it'll be like, okay, I know a lot, and I'll know what to do. So it's easier mm-hmm. riding as a kid, so when you're older, you know what to do when you so ride a lot. So, Lacey, you don't ride out by yourself. You always have someone with you? Yes. Okay, got it. And that's what the sponsor is? Mm-hmm. That's what Heidi Helly takes me through. Do yes. you go no fast? Are you faster than her sometimes, and, and uh, she has to catch up to you? <laughs> um, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> my horse starts pulling on me to go faster, but then her horse always catches up because... The two of them always look at each other and just go. It's crazy how they take off on us after lunch. <laughs> after lunch? <laughs> yeah, they like after lunch better. <laughs> I do too, Lacey. <laughs> okay, Lacey, tell us what are your goals? For Let's first talk with this ride season. What What are your goals for this he wants to win. For- you want to win Tevis, of course, right? <laughs> My goal for this season is to finish at top junior national mileage, and then my uh-huh. future goal is to ride Tevis, and then when I get older, ride the Pony Express. Okay. Wow. Cool. So when you when you started out this year, did, were you thinking ahead, or did you just kind of take it as it, as it went and, and went from ride to ride, and, and then next thing you know, you found yourself up in the standings? Well, I kind of, this is my second year doing it, so 
So I kind of wanted to try and get something because I knew my horse could do it. But then mm-hmm. at the same time, I'm like, oh, I really don't have to do it. I, I kind of want to just stay. But at the same time, I was ready to go. So we kind of just went to a bunch of rides. And then I looked on the computer, and I was top junior in the nation in mileage. And then next <laughs> thing you know, I'm like, wow, this is crazy. The next thing she knows, she's on the radio. So, Lacey, <laughs> Lacey, tell me, i got to ask you the important question, okay? What's your color? My color is purple and black. Uh, I knew it was purple or pink. I didn't see you as a pink girl, actually. I, I, thought, maybe, I thought maybe more purple. And her horse is... A little bit of... A little tell, us bit of color, tell us what color legacy is. He's a chestnut. Mm-hmm. Well, he would look good in purple and black then. Yeah. And then I put okay. just a little bit of bright orange on him. Of course. That's so people can find you in the middle of yeah. the... <laughs> Lacey, have you, we were talking earlier today about... Uh, I was asking Karen about some of the animals she's seen. Have you seen any cool animals on your ride? We have, actually. Uh, my first year when I was at the Outlaw Virgin ride... We were racing in antelope. It was really <laughs> fun because they w- we were uh, cantering along, and they would come right next to us and um, jump up and run as fast as they could, and then it would uh-huh. poop the horses, <laughs> and then, then the horses would go faster, and then it would poop the antelope, and it just kept going back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know how many people in this world, Lacey, have raced the cantaloupe? Very few. <laughs> You're very special that way. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I know. Yeah, she's had some great experiences already, and I'm sure she's going to have a lot more in the future. She's a um, really nice kid. And, Lacey, we appreciate you taking the time this morning to talk to us. I know you're going to have to go get ready to go to school soon. And then I have one more question for anyone. Yeah? Go um, ahead. If anyone wants to, like, help out, like, sponsor me, that would be uh-huh. great. Because okay. Because it's harder with school. So if anyone wants to sponsor me and just help out just a little bit, that would be nice and awesome. Okay. Well, anytime you need a sponsor, just let me know. You're welcome to ride with me. I've sponsored many juniors over the years, and um, and I know you'd be a real easy one to ride with because you're so considerate and polite. Thank you. I think she'd leave you in her in in in, in her dust, actually, Karen. I think she'd be gone. She prob- yeah, she probably would. <laughs> she'd be trying to catch up. Lacey, if, if somebody does want to talk to you, we'll have them get in touch with Karen, okay? Okay. And then... Okay, but... Go ahead. Okay. Bye. Thank you, Lacey. Thanks, Lacey. Thank you so much. All right, bye-bye. Bye. Bye. She was one of the best uh, uh, juniors we've ever had on any of the shows. A oh, lot of times great. We'll, yes. we'll get them on and they'll just say yes or no and you get nothing. But she was she was like talking away. I was impressed. You know, I've watched this with you know many of the kids over the years. They start out in endurance and they're really shy at first. <laughs> 
And then as they get more into it, they they open up, and then they uh, it's really neat to see them evolve, and and they all seem to turn into really great kids. And, and like I pointed out a couple examples of her being, you know, considerate and helpful to other writers around her. She's just great like that. Well, and what awareness she has. I mean, she started out when she was, what, six? Who who does uh-huh. that? I, mean, <laughs> I know it's great that, you know, that she wanted to do this. And she, like she mentioned, she did one LD ride, and then she moved up to doing 50s, and that's what she's been doing ever since. Wow. Wow. And, you know, that means she's got some family support, too, because you can't do that kind of thing as a kid without some kind of the some part of the family being behind you along the way. Right. Right. Yes. Yeah. So that's terrific. Well, I'm glad you got her on. That was a lot of fun. And, and very shortly here at about 10 o'clock Eastern time, we're going to be talking to Julie Sir, who is a legend in the endurance community. She's 89 years old been riding a little bit longer than uh, uh-huh. than has. Just a little, just a few years yes. longer. <laughs> Before we do our daily song, can you tell us a little bit about your renegade boots? Now, you did a lot of miles over the last uh, four weeks, and That's I assume you had to renegade boots along the whole way. I sure have. In fact, I've done a lot of miles this season. Both of my horses have already done over a 1,000 miles this year, and I've been using the Renegade boots all year. Um, it uh, This last ride, because it was raining so much, I went ahead and I kind of did a compromise. I glued two boots on each horse and used two strap-on boots. And that actually worked out really well because each morning when I got up, if it was many, I only had to put two boots on instead of four. And so that worked out really good, you know, for doing not much riding. But for the rest of the year, I I was basically using the strap-on boots. And they were just, you know, it's, it's great. I put them on the horses, I ride all day, and I take them off, and I'm done. And it, it does, you know, they work just extremely easy. I don't have to struggle. I don't have the hammer to get them on. And, of course, like we've talked about before, they come in all these really great colors. And I usually stick with the bright orange. And um, like we've been talking about the hunters in the forest and the antelope and stuff out there, I want to be visible. So I've got my orange tack and my orange shirt and my orange boots. And they really stand out well. And um, riding through all of that mud and the rocks and stuff, that um, getting the extra traction from having the, the boots on my horses really helped. You know, we did um, ride in a lot of really rocky, hard, technical country, and my horses just went through it all extremely well. Um, I didn't have any worries about them slipping or falling and any of that stuff. And so that's mainly thanks to the Renegade boots. And tell us, so, um, now, I, I have a couple of questions because other boots I've okay. used and, and, and have seen in the past, mud tends to be a problem. They'll get in there. You can get little rocks and pebbles in there that uh, can tend to be a problem. Do you have any of those kind of problems like we've seen with some of the uh, their competition? Do you have well, that with the Renegade boots? Not, you know, 
anything can happen. See, never say never with you know anything relating to horses or or hoofs even. Right. But um, the way the renegades are designed with the pivoting hill captivator, usually if something gets in it, it is able to work its way out. Okay. You know, and and one of the important lessons when you're riding in in that kind of country, especially with the mud, is each day when I take the boots off, I rinse them out in water and use a soft brush and make sure the inside of the captivators are clean and the Velcro gets cleaned out and then they're ready to go for the next time. And and, um, But normally, in fact, most of those days when I would come in from riding in the rain or the mud, I would take the boots off, and they would be perfectly nice and clean on the inside. Dirty and muddy on the outside, just like our our footwear is. But inside, you know, probably 95% of the time it was perfectly clean. And then, you know, every so often you're going to get a little bit of something in there. The, for the most part, they self-clean and um usually are very, you know, low, minimal amount of any kind of issues or problems. And with all that writing I did, I didn't have any rubbing for the whole month. And that included 750s on each horse, plus they both went out three, four, or five times each in addition to do some trail marking. Mm. And so the booth well, you can find you can so simple to use. You can find them at renegadehoofboots.com. That's where you'll find them over there, the glue-ons, and also, uh, well, they have all of their options over there, and they have studded boots as well. So if you're in situations where you need that, you can find them over there at renegadehoofboots.com. And as Karen said, you've got a multitude of colors, so you can pick your color. They probably even have purple for laces. They probably do. <laughs> So let's take a break. I have a song for you today that I thought would fit. Now, when you listen to this song, it's by Dan Roberts uh, from Old Boots Music, and it's called Can't Change Horses. Now, if you replace the word, I was listening to this yesterday and relating it to endurance riding. If you replace the word rodeo for endurance every time he says it, (laughs) or just say endurance every time he says rodeo, this song fits. So it's called Can't Change Horses. We'll be back in a couple of minutes with one of the legends of endurance riding. You better look down that road before you get on. Turn around, take one last look behind. Hey, pick up a little dirt, run it through your hands, then carve your favorite memories in your mind. Because all
Don't count the miles ahead Cause it'll soon be gone to take time to study your back trail Cause what you've learned today May help tomorrow But leaving is the only way to tell Well you can't put a price tag On the fun and rodeo But you don't get a free ride You'll pay as you go Well, that was Can't Change Horses by Dan Roberts. You can find all of his music at oldbootsmusic.com. That's oldbootsmusic.com. You're listening to Horses in the Morning. It is the special Endurance Day edition with Karen Chatton, and which is brought to you today by Action Rider Tech. You can find all of their great products at actionridertech.com. I am Glenn the Geek here with Karen, and also Coach Jen is producing wanted to remind everybody that you can find our app at, on the iPhone or Android App Store. Just search for Horse Radio Network. It is the easiest way to listen to our shows, and uh, you'll find all of the shows there, including Karen's past two episodes of uh, Endurance here at uh, Horses in the Morning. You can find them on there as well. So and download the app. Just search for Horse Radio Network on the App Store. I have a product for you now, Karen. It's brand new okay. to the market, and I'm going to be on a kick this holiday season because I looked over the news reports. We see all the news that comes in about horses from around the world every day because we're constantly keeping an eye on that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I actually went back and counted over the last month, there have been 36 that I could found, 36 people that got hit by cars on roads here in the United States over the last month. Wow. Uh, Many of them have died. Many of them are in the hospital. Many of the horses were lost. And so I'm going to be on a campaign this holiday season, and I'm going to be calling it Safety for the Holidays because I believe that everybody should be buying something that involves safety for their friends for the holidays. That's, uh, that's the thing that uh, I really want to uh, advocate this year. Because, and one of the things that has come out and that is available now is a product from High Visibility North America. This is brand new, and I'm sure that if, you've, if you're on Facebook, you've seen it. They're the distributors for the UK's uh, number one high visibility performance sportswear range for equestrian horses and canines. It's called EquiSafety. And they're the ones that you've seen uh, from England where they're riding with the coats and the jackets and the vests that say polite on the back. It almost looks like police vests. Okay. Um, and apparently uh, a bunch of mounted police forces and equestrians and even the King's house, or the Queen's Household Cavalry wear this line of products. Well, it's now available in the United States. It's just coming in right now. It's okay. Not only is it functional, uh, it will, they have coats, you know, heavier coats for when you're out riding in those mornings you were talking about earlier. They have lighter jackets for us in Florida. They have the vests. 
Uh, but these are also stylish. That's the other cool thing about it. They're very fashionable. You can wear these. They're cut to fit. They're not like the ones you buy at Home Depot that the construction workers wear. So mm-hmm. these are made for riding. They're not construction worker shaped. <laughs> no. They're, they're, they're made for riders. They're rider shaped. And, uh, you know, so whether you're a trail rider, you're going out there in hunting season, which is going to be starting here very shortly in the Northeast. Endurance riders, this is perfect for and the nice part is they're lightweight and suitable for year-round. Uh, and uh, Dan James from Road of the Horse, uh, champion in 2012, uses them. Kim Gentry, the uh, rider, one of the riders at Dressage at Devon this year, uses them. So whether you're trail riding or especially if you ride anywhere near the roads or anywhere near hunters, take a look at this. Just go to highvisibility.us.com or you can find them on Facebook. Just search for facebook.com slash equisafety. And we'll put links to that on our Facebook page at Horses in the Morning, too. But I think, you know, endurance riders especially should check these products out because they are fashionable and stylish, and that's one of the things that's been missing in the high-visibility products. So uh, so take a look. They, uh, I think will be a lot. But I think it will be a big hit in that community. I like them. Good, good. Yeah, my good recommendation idea. for the day. Yep, my recommendation hey. for the day is hey. be safe and buy them for Christmas. By somebody you know, something, especially if they ride on the roads. Let's not have uh, 36 people getting hit by cars this month. Let's change that. Yeah, well, we are ready for your next guest who I'm very excited to talk to. We are. We're so excited to have Julie Sir on this morning. She is a legend, as you've mentioned. She's got 22 Tavis buckles. She's been, you know, riding for nearly 50 years in endurance. She didn't do her first endurance ride until she was 40 years old. And so it's kind of exciting. We can show that riders from 9 to nearly 90 can participate in this sport. And so we're going to talk to Julie this morning uh, and get a little bit of her insight on the history of endurance riding and the AARC and also talk about her two books that she's had published. So welcome to the show, Julie. Good morning. Good morning to you, Karen. My horses are happy because they were fed early this morning, so I could be here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. Well, thank you. Well, let's start with having you give us a little bit of history on AARC and endurance riding. Well, I started endurance riding before there was an AARC, um, I started at age 40, and there was only one endurance ride in the world, and that was the Tevis Cup, and I undertook it uh, and was a total failure uh, being put out at the first vet check. Both the horse and I were not in very good shape, but I went back the next year and conquered it, and since then have been very passionate about the sport. When I started endurance riding with the Tevis in 1964, uh, there weren't any other endurance rides in the country. And um, in about 1967, um, a lot of us Tevis Cup lovers decided that we needed a better, uh, we needed some training rides. So we started 50-mile rides, which <laughs> we thought originally were going to be pointed toward the riding the 100-mile rides. But the 50-mile rides took on a life of their own and became very, very popular, uh, springing up all over the country. But there was no place to go to know where the rides were going to be, what the dates were, uh, the directions on how to get there and and things like that. So there were six Auburn people who decided, uh, got together one night and decided to form uh, the American Endurance Ride Conference. Um, 
they called me the next morning and asked me to be a founding member, and I said sure because I was very enthusiastic and passionate about my horses and endurance riding. And it started out originally started as a clearinghouse where if you wanted to go to a ride, they listed where the rides were and the dates and things like that. Uh, but pretty soon, uh, 50 milers were no longer just a training ride for the longer uh, 100-mile rides, which were also springing up. Uh, they took on a life of their own and became very, very popular. And uh, that's when the ARC really um, took off uh, running. It uh, just people people were very enamored of it, as they still are. Uh, they put out a monthly newsletter with veterinarian uh, insights and articles on it, listed the rides. They started a program where they kept track of people's miles and their achievements, and they had a point system, and we had a national champion and all that. But another aspect of AARC, which I think sometimes is neglected in our enthusiasm for uh, being out there on the trail and, and uh, going to the convention and seeing the top people uh, and seeing all the vendors, is that much of the membership money and the donations they get goes toward research uh, into horses, what makes them tick, uh, being able to see the the veterinarians being able to see the horses out on the trail is worth uh, a tremendous amount and as far as doing uh, how, how horses react to stress. And uh, it's just uh, a very, very great learning experience, and the ARC does put money into research for that. The other thing they do is they have a, a, a trails uh, program whereby uh, money is donated to preserve trails, to protect trails, uh, and they have a trail master's course which shows you how to go out and build a trail and so that it drains properly. They also urge people to go to their uh, city council meetings, their board of supervisors meetings, anything on state, local, or federal level to see that our trails are protected that we'll be able to ride in the future. So that's kind of the story. Good. Well, in what year was AERC formed? Pardon me? What year did AERC start? Oh, in 1972. Okay. And how have you seen the sport change and evolve since then? Well, I've seen it change and evolve originally because, of course, originally it started out with a 100-mile ride, and then the 50-mile rides uh, became much more popular. Uh, and then mm-hmm. uh, it was decided that uh, uh, many older people, older horses, uh, new horses coming into the sport uh, needed a mileage of lesser distance, and so they had the mm-hmm. limited distance rides, which uh, also were once considered training rides, but now, as with the 50-milers, took on a life of their own. Some people are, are just happy riding the 25 miles and never uh, want to do more than that. They're just happy at that level. Some people consider it a training ride uh, only. Uh, some people figure that it's a uh, uh, a horse you're rehabilitating or, or uh, a person coming back maybe after some sort of illness or something can start at that level and then move up. We'd like to see them move up because uh, the more the further the distance, the more of this great country you see. There's uh, a lot of land out there, and nobody has uh, probably seen more of it than you yourself, Karen, have. But uh, uh, there's a lot of wonderful things to see out there in the country. There sure are. Well, let's also talk a little bit about aging and riding endurance. As I mentioned previously, 
you had told me that you did your first endurance ride when you were 40 years old, and mm-hmm. now you're, you're coming close to, <clears throat> to have, having um, competed well, I would love 50 years. Uh, Karen uh, and, and the audience, I would love to be able to do a 25-miler next year. I, I know I no longer can do a 50-miler. My balance isn't good enough. I would love to be able to do a limited distance 25 mile at age 90, and I then will have competed for 50 years in this long distance trail riding. Uh, I don't know whether I can do it or not. My last limited distance ride was uh, was pretty hard on me. It uh, is a balance thing. I uh, I tend to lean to the left. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. And all my efforts to put more weight in the right stirrup and lean to the right uh, don't work after maybe about 20 miles. But uh, I'm gonna. I'll probably try it. Uh, I can say I'm not afraid of failure. Uh, I failed a lot in my life, and every failure has been a a real lesson for me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I've I've had successes. I've had failures. Uh, I've learned from both. <clears throat> so uh, I, I hope to try it. I don't know if I will or not. Well, you. But if I do, I will have done it for 50 years. That's. That's incredible, Julie. And, and I think you, I'm I, I think Go you ahead. were going to have Lacey, uh, the nine-year-old, on. And I got to thinking last night when you told me she would be on the program that uh, I was 80 years old when she was born, and yet the two <laughs> of us could go uh, to a starting line and sit there on our horses, and we are. Um, we are identical in what our goal is, and that is to reach the finish line that day with the horse in good shape. And somehow, I don't know any other sport uh, where people with that kind of a age range could have the same goals. But on that particular day, whether she's 9 or I'm 89, uh, we have the same goal, and that's to get our horse to a ride, get to the finish line within the time limit, and with the horse in good shape. And, and I'll add in there... Unique, I think, it is unique, and I'll add in there, too, that uh, men and women together, which is not common in most other sports either. You're correct, huh? Yeah, we take it for granted here in the horse world, but when you look at any other sport, you know, men and women don't compete together. I really hadn't thought about that, but you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, that's pretty unique to the, to the horse sports. I was just taking a look here. I wanted to ask both of you this. I was taking a look. I was over on the AERC website and taking a look at some of the results. Is there, in endurance, is there any time when there has been, you know, one person, one one, one, one uh, partnership that has really dominated the sport? And I'm, I'm not really seeing that because, Julie, you've won a lot of competitions over your lifetime, but, you know, you may win one or two in a season, is there anybody that has truly dominated like some of the other disciplines where they just win everything, or is that just not, doesn't happen? Oh, well, yes, I think, I think we had Becky Hart out there for, uh, well, quite a few years with three world championships, and she was, nobody beat Becky Hart. She had a yeah. absolutely phenomenal horse, and she was a excellent equestrian, and she trained properly. And she had a lot of courage. She had more courage than I ever did sometimes out there. Uh, the other person would be Valerie Canavy from the East Coast, who also has been, Karen, correct me, has she been three times world champion or two times? I, I'm not quite sure. It's two or three. And anyway, uh, those are two of the people that have dominated it pretty pretty regularly. Uh, I mean, with, with phenomenal performances and phenomenal horses and beautifully ridden. 
Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, Julie, well, I was didn't just going to ask you, you had completed your last Tevis when you were 76 years old. Yes. So what advice do you have for more mature riders that want to get started in the sport? Because so many people think they're too old, and and they're not. Well, you have to be passionate about it. I once trained with a gal for a ride, and we had a good time training together and all that, and the ride was canceled, and she said to me, think of all that time I wasted training my horse. Oh. Well, if the time is wasted that you're training your horse, if you consider it, look at it that way, uh, the sport's not for you. I tried the Tevis when I was 80. I got 98 and a half miles, and literally, uh, if I'd had 15 or 20 more minutes, I probably could have made it. I ran out of time, but the reason I ran out of time was that I couldn't maintain my balance properly in the saddle. I kept, again, leading, leaning mm-hmm. to the left. I had 60 absolutely fabulous miles that day. After about 60 miles, things started to slow down and not go so well. But um, I, I, I will never, ever regret starting that. I failed to make my goal, uh, but nevertheless, uh, I tried, and I think trying is very important. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, if I can do anything at that age and make it 98% <laughs> of the way there, I'll be very happy, Julie. <laughs> yeah, well, if I can, you have to be passionate. accomplishment. <laughs> It was. Okay, now let's let's uh, tell us about your two books. You have two books out. One is called Ten Feet Tall Still, and the uh-huh. second one is But It Wasn't the Horse's Fault. So give us well, a little overview on, on those okay, books. Well, and, and uh, how at you one point, my, my, my arches started to fall, and I wasn't riding well, and I went to the orthopedist, and he said, well, you shouldn't be riding a horse, and you have to get off your feet. So I decided that I would write a book. Uh, or I was going to write the story of, of kind of my life for my children and grandchildren. Well, it kind of evolved, and the title comes from the fact that uh, when I was eight years old, I sat in a pony, and I towered over all the adults that were around, and I suddenly felt 10 feet tall, and I still feel 10 feet tall when I get on a horse, even to this day. Aww. So um, I just I get up on top of the horse, and I'm just, well, I'm just, I feel big. Uh, the other one, uh, and that is only in, that's out of print, the ten feet tall still, but it is an ebook on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. The second book uh, is called, but it wasn't the horse's fault, and that's because uh, occasionally I'm injured, never seriously, but a few little broken bones and bruises and things, and I go off to urgent care where I usually see the same doctor, and I, he'll walk in and say, "What did your horse do to you?" And I say, "But it wasn't the horse's fault." And uh, so, so that's how that book got that title. But that book, the first book is really a kind of a story of endurance writing in my life. Uh, the second book is just a catch-all of a whole bunch of different subjects. Every single chapter is different. Uh, I've got a lot of pictures in it, and then Judith Ogus, a friend, did a lot of clever cartoons when I couldn't find a picture to fit the uh, chapter mm-hmm. I was writing. So um, it, it's been a fun book. Yes, it's beautifully illustrated. <laughs> Thank you. Turned out great. So tell mm-hmm. us where the proceeds go from the sale of these books. The uh, 10 feet tall still goes to the trails funds of the AARC, the American Endurance Ride Conference, and the Western States Trails Foundation. And that money is in a special fund only to be used for the trails. The second book, but it wasn't the horse's fault, 
the money goes to the Center for Equine Health at the University of California's Veterinarian School at Davis, California, and that money goes uh, for dis- uh, research into studying the um, metabolic and pulmonary disorders of the long-distance horse. So I, I don't keep any of the money from either book because uh, I'm just trying to return something uh, to sport that I want to see go on and that uh, has taken up so much of my life in such a favorable way. It sure has. Well, Julie, and we so appreciate having you on. Is there something else you wanted to say? No. Um, okay. Let's see, I wrote a couple of notes here, and one was don't be afraid of failure, and I covered that. And, oh, I know one thing, that we were considered an extreme sport. Uh, I don't necessarily look at it that way. For some, it's an extreme sport because they want to win and they'll take chances and risk. But for most of us, it's not extreme. We kind of get out there and we don't lollygag along because we do have a time limit. But uh, basically, we're relaxed and having a good time and, and not uh, not not. I don't look at it in those cases as an extreme sport at all. I think it's available for almost everybody, the physically fit particularly, but even the less physically fit, uh, it's an all-encompassing sport. Hey, Julie, I've seen pictures from Tevis, and I'm still going to call it an extreme sport, and I think most of the listeners will too. Uh, At least Tevis. We'll call Tevis an extreme competition. Let's put it that Uh way. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. But I got to tell okay. you, I was well, the Tevis is a little different than the other ones. Yeah, I know. Just, <laughs> um, yeah. I, I was just thinking about it. You've been 50 years. You're 89 years old, going on 90, and you've been riding 50 years. And we were talking about Lacey was on the show earlier. She's nine years old. If she sticks with it, she'll only be 59 when she gets her 50 years in. Isn't that amazing when you think about it? Well, she's way ahead of me. <laughs> I think that's she wonderful. She could go to 100 years. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. No doubt about it. I think it's wonderful. It yeah. is. Mm-hmm. Well, good luck, Julie, meeting your goal next year. I, I really hope okay. you're able to achieve that um, other ride. So good well, luck. Well, Karen, and- you, you have ridden so far. Um, I don't know if you still get a nervous stomach before a sleepless night. I doubt if you do, but I, I still get that excited about what I'm the project of riding a ride, the prospect of riding a ride, I still you get, uh, you don't still get the nervous. before. But I anyway, know. I, I've had a yep, great time. I'm the same way, and um, I can never wait to get up in the morning when I'm uh-huh. at a ride. I'm always looking forward to getting up and going. So right. I'm sure you're the you're the same way because you love We're it. The same way. Yeah. So well, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, to, I, I love the sport, as you can tell. Thank you, Julie. Thank you. All right. Bye. And I wanted to tell everybody that if you want to hear more about Julie's entire life, uh, she spent an hour with with Chris from the Equestrian Legends show here on the Horse Radio Network. Just go to Horse Radio Network. You'll see Equestrian Legends there, and you'll find Julie did one of the episodes there where she goes through from being a little kid and how she got started all the way up through current. So, it was a very good – you listened to that the other day, didn't you? So I thought that was an excellent interview, actually. I did. Uh, it was well done, and, and I, you know, loved to just hear anything from Julie. She's just a yeah. gem. It's really a chronicle of her life, and, and obviously she's still passionate about this sport that uh, that that you love so much and that uh, that uh, Lacey does as well. So. And she And she holds one record that nobody else does. She holds the record for having a single horse. Win the most Hagen Cups on the Tevis. 
Oh, is that right? Three, three times, yes. So um, that's, you know, kind of an impressive thing that, that she's done. Um, in addition to everything else, to, she's ridden well, over 30,000 miles. Yeah, I was just looking at that, over 30,000 miles. I mean, that's the recorded miles. There's been a lot more than that. that hey, guys. Too, I'm sure. uh-huh. She has more miles than many automobiles. <laughs> <laughs> when you think about it. Yeah, Jennifer, how many miles did you ride over the weekend and you couldn't walk on Monday? So, um, <laughs> I was like, hey, this is nuts. <laughs> I think it was about eight. That's how endurance is. You've got to just keep riding. You just can't stop. Um, or you See, the thing up. with endurance riders is they don't walk. Forward. They eliminate that. They just go from horse to the bed and then back on the horse again. They just eliminate or, that or walking part in between. Sometimes we stop at the hot tub in between. <laughs> how much ibuprofen do you guys go through? Must be tons. None, actually. I hardly ever take anything. Um, really? You know what? Once you ride as much as we do, you work through it, and uh, that's why the multi days are so great. Because by the end of the ride, you just you feel great. You're like superhuman. Nothing gets sore anymore. And um, you know, the first couple days, eh, you're probably a little sore, but you, that's why you just got to keep moving. That's the incentive to keep getting up every day and riding. Because if you stop moving, you're not going to get up ever again. Is what. <laughs> that's, that's a possibility. <laughs> Tell us what's coming up in the upcoming events in the endurance world. Okay, upcoming we have we still have the um, AHA Distance Nationals October 24th. They're having a hundred mile ride, and then they've also got other distances and events going on between the 26th and 27th. There's 25, 50s, two day, 70 mile CTR. And that's at the Jim Edgar Panther Creek State Park in Chandlerville, Illinois. And you can find more information about that at arabianhorses.org. Also, in addition to that, there's more than 60 other rides in seven regions of AARC through the end of the 2003 ride season. Right now, we have only about eight weeks left in this ride season. The new season starts on December 1st. So we're going to have a lot of riders out there the year in, going for their year-end awards and points, you know, going to some of these rides. <clears throat> so another thing I wanted to mention is to um, make sure you renew your dues with AERC. December 1st is the new ride season, and you can do that by going to AERC.org, and the membership fee schedule remains the same as it was in 2013. So okay. uh, to learn more about the ride, um, AARC.org and click on ride calendar in the left-hand column and that'll pull up the ride calendar. And then you can search it by your region or state, um, look for upcoming rides, or if you want to search for future rides, you can um, click, you know, scroll through the calendar and look at all the rides that are already on the calendar for next ride season as well. And one more thing I want to mention is there's uh, a scholarship available for junior riders and um, I meant to tell um, Lacey about this, but there's an Ann Ayala Junior Scholarship that AARC gives out one a year, and it's for $1,000, and it's for juniors and young writers through um, 21 years of age, and they can apply by going to the AARC.org website and clicking on the link for the scholarship. Very good. And I do have a question for you. She brought up, you know, obviously how everything started out to, the goal was that they were the 25s and the 50s were going to and the 75s were going to be training rides for the hundreds, uh-huh. and now they've 
they've developed a life of their own. So if, you know, if somebody, 100 miles is a daunting thing to think about, you know, for, for any rider. Mm-hmm. So you're, you can be perfectly happy, and there are a lot of riders that just do 25s, right? That's what they, they set out to do, and that's their goal, and, and they're happy doing that. So that, that's something, if, if somebody wants to get into endurance on a smaller scale, that, they can do that with almost any breed of horse at that, at that point. Sure, and many of the rides are also offering rides, um, you know, introduction rides and fun rides that are even shorter, like 10 or 15 miles. And a lot of times they'll have a, a mentor or an experienced horseman take them out and kind of show them the ropes. And, and so that's another thing you can find out by looking on the AERC ride calendar, which rides offer that. And that's a, a great way to get introduced into the sport is to go and do one of those intro rides or even start with the limited distance ride because they are becoming more and more popular all the time. And that's something that Jennifer could do with her fat quarter horse or somebody could do with their gated horse. <laughs> oh, sure. And and quarter horses and gated horses do really well. The horse that's completed the Tevis the most times actually is a quarter horse. Oh, is that right? Mm-hmm. Huh. I didn't know. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Well, when one of these uh, times, too, I know we have some listeners out there, and I don't want to ignore this community and and uh we're we're going to talk about this on one of the upcoming endurance episodes is endurance driving is becoming very popular across the country and uh i'll say hi to tony because he's one of our listeners who's also an endurance driver mm-hmm. so uh we'll have somebody on to talk about endurance driving that's something that i'd actually like to get into i think that would be a lot of fun i have no desire to compete in anything you know my competition years of competing in various things are are pretty much done. I'm 50 years old now, and I just don't have any desire for that. However, uh-huh. endurance driving is I, something I think I could get into. I don't care if I win or not. I just, just doing it, I think, would be fun. Yeah, I think it would be a lot of fun. We have a group, a local group here called NEDA, Nevada Endurance Driving Association, and they have events almost every other weekend all summer where they um, wow. combine the horses on the trail um, and driving and they they have their events and um they're they're very popular as well you'll have to get some maybe you can get somebody uh from that organization on on the show on one of the upcoming episodes okay. that'd be a lot of fun yeah, that would yeah. be that would be fun that would be yeah cool fun. Do they, do very they, good do they make renegade boots small enough your po- for your pony yeah, do they make Cody Renegade boots, like for a little 12 and a half hand pony? I know they go to double odds. I'm not sure how much smaller than that they go, but it's possible. <laughs> I might need two. You know, if I'm going to do 25 milers, Jennifer, I'm probably going to need a pair of hackneys. <laughs> that might be, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need to collect another one. I need to find another starving hackney at this point. <clears throat> well, Karen, this has been a lot of fun. As always, I thoroughly yeah. enjoy and I look forward to every month uh, being with you. I do want to mention a couple of housekeeping things here for Horses in the Morning. We will be doing the Equity Wheel of Trivia on Wednesday morning. If you're an endurance rider and want to have a lot of fun, give us a call tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Eastern at 347-637-3238. And we are playing the Wheel of Trivia, which means you, we just ask you a trivia question if you get it correct, we spin the wheel and you win a prize. It's that easy. We have over $500 worth of prizes on the wheel every week. So, uh, and we last week, uh, Jennifer, did anybody get it wrong? You asked some tough questions and they all got it right. So, 
Uh, I think we had I five winners some, last I week. I think there was a, a WikiLeak going on. That's what yeah. I think. <laughs> Somebody published the answers or something because I was shocked. We had a wheel of the gift certificates last week and gave away a bunch of gift certificates. So give us a call tomorrow morning on the Equity Wheel of Trivia. And, of course, Friday is Really Bad Ads, one of the most popular segments we do here on the Horse Radio Network where our listeners submit really bad Craigslist ads to win prizes, and we, we read those and make fun of those every Friday. And you also, you, yeah, it is fun. That's a, that is a riot. Uh, you, let me tell you, there's some bad Craigslist ads out there. <laughs> you can follow Horses in the Morning on Facebook. Just search for Horses in the Morning and be sure to listen to all the shows in the Horse Radio Network. We have 10 of them now. We have two new ones. Blaze Kids Radio is one that we do, and that's put on by the, the good folks over there at Blaze Magazine. It's designed for kids, and it's designed for kids Lacey's age. So you can tune into that. It's a lot of fun. And also, there's a new fox hunting show called Chasing a Fox in a Little Black Dress. And that's also now available on the Horse Radio Network. And to find Karen, you go to? KarenChatton.com. Simple and, and I'm easy. Also on Karen. Face, I'm also on Facebook. In, I think it's NV Endurance Rider. And that's spelled C-H-A-T-O-N? Uh, yes. KarenChatton.com. Well, thank you, Karen. We'll talk to you again next month. You have a terrific month this, and well, you'll probably put on another uh, 500 miles till we talk to you next. Well, we're going to give the horses a little bit of a break right now. They deserve it. They've earned it. Now, there you go. You probably need a little break, too. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Glenn and Jennifer. It's been fun, as always. All right. Thank you, everybody. You all have a terrific day, and be safe. Wear your helmet wear your and helmet. wear a reflective vest while riding on the road. Or people getting hit by cars.